Hey, welcome to Take Note. This is Adam. I'm here with my buddy Ted. This is a podcast about keeping a notebook and paying attention. Ted, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm just over here reading Monocle Backwards, Monocle Magazine. You recommended that at one point, and now I'm all about it. Read all magazines backwards. Sorry. I mean, like, don't, not, you know, from the bottom of the article up, but... Right. Man, you could start The Economist with their, like, interesting obituary they always have on the last page. Then you get to their graphic detail column where there's an interesting graph. Just ease into the magazine. Well, I feel like Monocle, in the, they want to ease me in from the front way. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they want to, but it's, it's, like, too much. It's like you're getting eased in, and all of a sudden you're three-quarters of the way. I want to jump into the beautiful photos in the back and then kind of reverse uh, reverse the script, flip the script. I think the best magazines somehow have done it the right way. Maybe. I mean, the New Yorker, you got to go through that goings on, uh, goings on about town, you know, the the event stuff. Yeah. Because it's a New York magazine. It's like, I don't care what blue, old blues guy is playing at the blues club that I'll I never do. go to. I just. Yeah, don't. true. True enough. True enough. All right, but this is not about reading things backwards, although we should probably do an episode where we like read a book backwards or something. Yeah. Maybe we'll do Julio Cortazar's Hopscotch for episode 254. <laughs> uh, but, but we're going to talk about what we've written in our notebooks. And so, Ted, what do you got? All right, well, it's summer. Uh, children's summer camps, are in, uh, day camps, I should say, are in full swing. Uh, So I wrote down, this is a kind of, uh, call it a blow-by-blow. Ewan is my son. Um, Okay. Ewan left his swim trunks in the car of our friend who was uh, picking him up with the other kids to take him home. Uh, She gave the swim trunks that he left in her car to her daughter to give to Ewan when they were back at day camp the next day. She gave the swim trunks, her daughter gave the swim trunks to Ewan's sister, May, right? my daughter. May gave the swim trunks to Ewan at day camp. Ewan left them at day camp by the swimming pool. Over the weekend, his friend's mom found the swim trunks beside the swimming pool where she was going to, you know, recreationally. Uh, they're just sitting there by the pool, the very swim trunks that she had given to her daughter to give to you and etc. That's like, crystal clear. It's like the red balloon, you know, the red balloon that goes <laughs> all balloon. over town. I was thinking Chucky, but yours is better. Yeah. But the, the, uh, the other mom, she was attending, just to be clear, she was attending that pool recreationally, yes. not professionally. That's right. She's not a, she's not a she, lifeguard. She's not a lifeguard. Uh, she's not a pool. She wasn't holding a long net, getting the leaves out of there. Nope. She's not working the concession stand. Nope, just for fun. She was not measuring my, the chemical makeup of the swimming pool. Nope. I picked up my older son, older the two sons, at the lake house today. His camp is at the lake house. And he really wanted to treat me and his younger brother to ice pops. Nice. It was very sweet. Nice. Yeah, so he bought us stuff at the concession stands. With the money that I gave him two days ago. Okay. Yep. Uh, summer. 
I, I feel like I'm really, uh, I guess the ages of my kids is helping, but we are just living summer to the fullest. The kids love every minute that they're in camp. Uh, we're waking up later. We don't have to dash out the door at 6.15 or, or I guess get up at the whatever. Sleeping in, uh, movie nights, you know, lay, go, going all over. doing all. We're living it up. It's, uh, it's a post-pandemic summer, I, and I'm loving it. That's fantastic. We've been enjoying summer, too. We like... We like the guilt, not feeling guilty when they're playing video games because they've spent the entire day running around outside. Yes, absolutely. You know, that feels great. Absolutely. What do you got, Adam? All right. So we've been living Summer of the Fools 2 to the point where I was a little mysteriously dizzy on Monday. And uh, Jennifer said to me, I think you have a touch of vertigo. I'd had vertigo about 15 years ago. Uh, I remember doing a home cure called the Epley Maneuver, okay. a series of head turns, okay. which seemed to make it worse. Although, <laughs> while writing this note, I looked it up, and everyone insists that the Epley Maneuver is perfectly safe at home. Um, at the time, a doctor had told me that it was nothing to worry about. I had some tests done, and it would probably go away in a month. And mysteriously, it just did. It just went away in oh. a month. Um, and my my little touch of vertigo went away in a day or two, um, on Monday, like a day and a half. But Jennifer's phrase, touch of vertigo, lingered with me. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it combined the titles of what had been my two favorite movies, Vertigo and Touch of Evil. Aha. Fascinating. Do I still have favorite movies? And when did that certainty that I had seen enough movies to proclaim which were the, was the best begin to fade? Um, and so, have you ever seen Vertigo or Touch of Evil? I've seen Vertigo as long ago. I, I think I was too young to appreciate it, which means you probably forced me to watch it. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> I should have forced you to watch Touch of Evil. You would have enjoyed it more. I have written the synopsis to... I have cut and paste the synopsis to Touch of Vertigo. Okay. Police detective John Scotty Ferguson, who has retired because an incident in the line of duty has caused him to develop acrophobia and vertigo. But when a car bomb explodes on the American side of the U.S.-Mexico border, Scotty, on vacation with his platonic bespectacled midge, is compelled to investigate along with police captain Hank Quinlan. Ferguson begins to suspect that Quinlan is planting evidence to frame an innocent woman, Madeline. So Ferguson begins following the woman who is behaving strangely. Is she really the woman she seems to be? And how is Jimmy Stewart's Mexican accent? <laughs> Find out in Touch, Touch of Vertigo. Vertigo. I love it. Amazing. It's going to be funnier for people that have seen both movies. But you could actually, I realized there is a way. They both play police detectives. The protagonists are police detectives in both. You could could, you could cut it up. It could be a movie. Yeah. Touch of Vertigo. I'm totally yeah. convinced. That sounded amazing. Thank you. What do you got, Ted? I am so proud of my daughter. Every time a TV commercial comes on, she yells, Dude, nobody cares. <laughs> that's, her, that's her response to consumer culture on the television. My kids, so we don't, we don't watch too much television. Um, but sometimes we'll stream something from like a 
it's where you've got to watch commercial, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it's pretty rare for my kids. Yeah. And so they're like, whoa, 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 let us watch this one too. That's true. But then I have at least, they all agree that the pharmaceutical and the medical commercials are like bummers. And they're just like, why would they put this on? Yeah. It's just the, and then you get to say like, you know, they didn't, when I was a kid, they didn't allow these commercials to be on, <laughs> which is like the most, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, there was a, there was a long period where we would watch baseball and the kids would sincerely enjoy the commercials more than the baseball. I do mm -hmm. think we've rounded a corner where they actually appreciate the baseball more. Um, but yeah, yeah. Commercials are a weird rarity and they're so, they're so over the top and, and treacly and the, and theatrical, like there's a. Cadillac commercial that we make the most uproarious fun of. It's like, you, you find your creativity. And they show a bunch of like, you know, 19-year-old like kids that you would see out in the club uh, today, <laughs> like driving Cadillacs. Dude, nobody cares. Uh, it's fun times. <laughs> well, you're going on vacation soon, like so many of us. You're preparing for that fact through the lens of stationary. What's your thought process? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I just thought if I, I just thought I'd just be silent and see how long your intro I'm goes. Start, I was starting go to, to feel like first. the narrator of a Cadillac commercial the longer I went on there. All right, yeah. So I am, I'm going on a road trip. I'm going to go to Glacier National Park Ooh, wow. in northern Montana. Okay. Yep. And so, you know, before... Before I go on a road trip, I start to think about what I want my, or vacation, what I want my road trip or my vacation notebook to be. And I think there is like an ideal that I have and the reality is never that, right? So the ideal is something along the lines of like a palimpsest of maps and photos and mm. overlays, like something yeah. like... Um, Moving into in, um, scrapbook Midori Traveler's Notebook territory. Yeah, like I want to like just carry around a copy of Herodotus's histories <laughs> and just like lay things in like they do in uh, The English Patient, <laughs> right? Like I, I definitely own a copy of Herodotus's histories because the, there's a character that did that in The English Patient. But, um, you know, the the reality of that is often... Uh, too busy on vacation to like take a note about almost anything. Sure, and so it's uh, and it's the list of to dos. Should you break away to try and take a note, the rest of the family screams at you for being antisocial, or falls off a glacier. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want that. I, I we were in Milwaukee once, and I did. I decided I had to run back to the car. We were at the art museum, which is this, uh, or we were by the art museum at least which is this amazing Santiago Calatrava building that has wings that open and close. And I had to walk back to the car and I had this amazing view of the art museum. And I decided to like do a three minute sketch. And in that time I, I got a call that there were, I'd missed a bodily fluids incident, you know, like, and I'm like just sitting there like sketching like a, like a schmo, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, normally it's just like it's the notes just before you go, and then barely anything else. Like right now, there's a good chance that my notebook is going to be a list of our glacier trip snacks and uh, a list of the packing list 
And then, by the way, my, I made my son start a notebook. After the list of 11 snacks we've we've picked, packed for the trip, he's got additional things that he wants, so he, he's got a notebook with additional snack requests. <laughs> um, but the ideal, right, the, the ideal, I think, is is like this, like I said, this beautiful palimpsest thing. And I remembered that Moleskin used to have these city editions. Yeah. Which maybe when we're talking, I'll look up and I'll see if I can find. Maybe while you're talking, instead of listening to you, I will look up and see if I can find what they actually called them. Yeah, I think um, but you're right. it had like, it had like a map in it. Um, I, I know I had one for Spain. This is so oh geez, it went to Spain in two thousand seven. So fifteen years ago, they had these. I don't know when they stopped making them, but uh, for a few cities, and there'd be some local recommendations, and then some blank pages. It was like a, it was like a, combination travel guide and notebook which yeah i think it's just great yeah. i had one of those when i went to paris and, and it was it was great i similar similar challenges i mean i think to this day it's half filled because once you get back I, I ended up writing a lot in it because i sort of compelled myself to but uh once you uh get back you're, you're not going to necessarily keep filling it up so it kind of just stops right there that was my experience but it was pretty cool i'm glad you mentioned that because so i i put a message i put a tweet out a message on twitter i put a tweet out on twitter tonight just to ask folks uh you know if they what they think makes a good road trip vacation notebook and albert hernandez uh at fractaloon asked if it was a short trip or a long trip because you don't want too big of a notebook because he I, he says i hate finishing a notebook and still having half a blank book left yeah and then also uh andy welfley of erasable said he's a big fan of the i don't know if, ever how if it's pronounced pure bound p-u-r bound but i say pure bound mm. write notepads notebook for vacations they're portable yet hardy and, and you know so then i've got like a i've still got a write notepads in the pines that I was given. So, you know, now I'm thinking, do I jump ship, right? Do I jump ship during my vacation and switch to this other hardy notebook because Andy Welfley, right? Like you get a suggestion. Here's a great notebook for a vacation. How yeah. are you going to jumping ship from a, from a field notes? You're saying from a field notes. Yeah. I'm using Tried a field notes trailhead, which yeah. is also great. And, and it, there's only half left. So maybe I could finish it on vacation, you know, oh, that's a good but idea. do I, and then do I, like, print out some maps and just paste them in ahead of time, right? Like, yeah. here's where I know I'm going to be, and maybe I write in it, maybe I don't. And and do I have time two days before vacation to, like, start a craft project? <laughs> I have to start a craft project. I've got 100 pages left in the book I'm reading. Yeah. You know, it's, I've got that whole pre-vacation anxiety going on. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think the preparing the notebook can, can double as trip preparation, right? Oh, I can't wait to tell my wife that while I'm pasting maps into a notebook and she's packing the well, car that I'm preparing what you tell for the vacation to. Here's what you tell her. Hun, I know it's hot out there, but bear with me. Uh, I'm pasting these into my notebook so that these these guide points, these activities will be will be at hand and accessible when we need them most. Uh, where's the nearest... Uh, large world's largest ball of yarn. Well, it's right here on, in my notebook. Of course, you'll have to go to your phone to find where it's actually located. But uh, well, so in my experience, um, I mean, I did do the uh, 
the Paris Notebook, and it was it was pretty successful. I, I mean, they have all these different sections that uh, I think I've become so accustomed to the freewheeling, open-ended nature of a field notes or uh, just a regular moleskin that I keep using now because it's got a lot of pages and it's never ending. Um, it's hard for me to like then confine myself to sections and put this here and that there. It doesn't quite feel right. But, uh, I, you know, my, I think my ideal notebook on a vacation is finding those 20-minute periods. Maybe it's first thing in the morning when the kids are watching TV and, and I'm making coffee and I, I sit down and just write out narratively everything I can remember and just try to do that every one or two days then I'm pretty happy with my notebooking on vacation. My the one the one that sticks out in my mind is I think it must have been early days when I got this uh the Nami my first Nanami 7 Cs writer which is like this beautiful paper amazing uh writing experience and I was in the Texas Hill Country and I would get up early you know the kids were up watching TV wife was sleeping in I went out on the back porch with this Seven Seas writer and a good fountain pen and just wrote and wrote and wrote, you know, kind of before the day kicks in. Um, yeah. That to me has been really satisfying. Not, can't really do it as the day, you know. So it's not like trying to write things throughout the course of the day. It's maybe scribble a reminder, you know, that'll that'll spark it for later. But then really finding those quiet, vacation-y moments to really sit and write stuff down. We've got to find that because <laughs> the National Park Service is making it very clear that most of the parking lots are filling up by sunrise. Now, are you uh, camping? Nope, we are staying in hotels in the park. Oh, great. But then to get to your trails, right, you got to... You gotta you gotta get to certain parking they spots don't have a, if you want to go to Logan Pass. They don't have a shuttle, shuttle bus. They've also let you know that uh, the shuttle service is available, but you may wait an hour for the next shuttle. Can you uh, hike to the hiking trail? <laughs> Potentially, we've discussed that. We've discussed <laughs> that. It's going to be great, but it's uh, they're doing they're doing a really good job of making it um, of encouraging vacationers to lower their expectations <laughs> yeah I, i've been there um i think sometimes you think you have to get out early but that means like before 11 a.m when all the lazy normal people actually start their day activities so maybe you'll be okay yeah oh and maybe we'll find our uh, quiet times in the evening too sure yeah Good. well that's exciting yeah, thanks. Well, on a uh, on another stationary related topic, uh, I enjoy thrift shopping. I feel like I bring that up more and more, um, but I do. I'm not gonna shy away from that. It's a pastime. Uh, it's a lifestyle. But uh, I was at a thrift store in the stationary section, or uh, maybe this was the electronic section. Uh, you know, it's just thrift shopping. The sections can bleed together and get get pretty weird i was probably near the leg splints or something for all i know but i saw <laughs> a 
an electric pencil sharpener. Someone I think on the erasable page had brought up um, uh, old electric pencil sharpeners, so they were fresh in my mind. I actually had one of those at, uh, at my workplace. I'm not gonna remember which company it is, but I'll think of it and put it in the show notes. But this one was a Barrel Epsco electric pencil sharpener, B-E-R-O-L space capital A-P-S-C-O. I think I've heard of Barrel. Never really heard of this Barrel Epsco, but it's heavy and it's got a beautiful wood grain uh, design on the metal part on the top or plastic. Um, but it's got this, it's just a, got this great vintage look. Um, and so I bought it for three bucks or what have you. And, uh, I even in the store before I bought it, I found an outlet, which, uh, <laughs> you're testing things in a, which I think is very common. Uh, but I, I realized later that it, I'm probably lucky that I didn't die plugging an old busted up pencil sharpener into a thrift store outlet that did not look like it had been uh, administered to for quite some time. But it didn't work in the store. I figured maybe the outlet's bad or, you know, children roaming around with uh, with uh, lightsabers and whatnot. Maybe they disabled the outlet. But um, I, I, I you bought it anyway. I bought it anyway. You know what? Because that's, that's the kind of crazy... <laughs> crazy risk why did you plug it in to begin with that i i don't know it's a good question <laughs> if it uh, had worked would you have not purchased it? no no quite the opposite i would have uh, i've done exactly insisted what on paying more <laughs> so um so i bring it home and i figure all right i'll try it at home plug it in doesn't work shockingly perhaps the outlet uh terrifyingly was was completely active at the thrift store and all many of the, the two-year-olds running around with sharp objects which will hopefully none will find it um but uh then i thought to myself you know what i'm not just gonna give up so i start unscrewing the thing now i'll remind you that uh or i or, or tell you for the first time i can't remember that uh i had a Broken PlayStation 4 controller. Did I tell this story on the podcast? Yes. Okay. You you fixed the broken PlayStation so 4 I, controller. I, but you also told us about your uncle who was killed in a pencil sharpener accident. <laughs> so I very recently took something apart and fixed it. So that's the high that I'm rolling on here. So I start taking apart this pencil sharpener. Uh, pulling the case off, looking at... Now, within two minutes, I... <laughs> I was able to identify how a pencil sharpener works. When you push the pencil in, it pushes up this little lever that presses the switch that, that activates the motor. That alone felt like a revelation because I'd never given it more than five seconds of thought in my entire life except to think, gee, I wonder how that works when I stick my pencil in, but never followed up on it at all. So I was already playing with house money. Uh, but then I'm looking at, you know, there's a motor and there's electrical wires and I'm not equipped to mess with any of that, but I happen to know someone who is my dad, who, uh, was an electrical engineering major in college. So but I, he, he refused to go into electrical engineering after the incident with your uncle, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And the pencil, yeah. Cause pencils and he electrical retired. engineering are, are intertwined deeply as we all know. Uh-huh. 
Um, no, he was a doctor, but he was he always is a, fancied himself an engineer and loves all that stuff. So he comes over with a very large canvas bag full of tools, and he digs in. He's testing connections. He's using the little Geiger counter there. Radiation levels are off the charts, that sort of thing. <laughs> but he determines that, you know, we got the whole thing apart now. So we got the little motor and the blades. You can see the blades and um and he determines that the electrical stuff is all good it's all fine so he puts on these big gloves of his because he didn't want to sharpen his finger down to the bone smart guy and he just kind of grabs the blades and rotates it the way that it would normally rotate and I'll be darned if that thing he just kind of unstuck the motor like the signal was good the magnets there's magnets involved. I bet you didn't know that. The magnets are spinning. He just kind of unjammed the rotary functionality. All of a sudden, I got a perfectly good, fully operating old 80s or whatever electric pencil sharpener. I was so happy. Anyway, that's my that's story. That's fantastic. That's my tale. That's I've sharpened great. one pencil at this point. And I... I I, I think our listeners have learned an important lesson, which is that if you have something with a lot of blades that isn't working, just put your fingers in it and just maybe put some special gloves on. Twist it until it works. I think that's what, yep. that's what, we, that's what I learned. Also, Ted, no kidding. Once every other week, my wife's at the thrift shop. Well, my once every other week, I get a call from my wife at the thrift shop or a text message from my wife at the shift, shift throp, <laughs> thrift shop. In which she asks me uh, whether such and such brand of electric pencil sharpeners is something that people would like. And I'm like, uh, and I tell her I have no idea. Uh, they prefer, like, people like them, but I don't know which ones they like. And they prefer the hand ones. And apparently all along, I should have been telling her, text Ted, about these pencil sharpeners. Now She's never brought one home as a result. Yeah, I'm not. Gonna, I, I don't think you're going to break the bank on these things. Uh, but my rule, and maybe I've said this before, and this is because I'm lazy, I don't buy it from the thrift store unless I want to own it. Uh, the great uh, record uh, collecting treasure trove episode mm-hmm. one seventeen. I don't know if that's the episode. That just that just that would be sound, amazing. It, amazing if true. It would sound cool if I knew which episode it was. Uh, that taught me vigorously that I am too lazy to put any work into selling things online. So if I don't want to own it myself, I don't buy it. Now, your wife is far more entrepreneurial than I, so I can't speak to the market value of such a pencil sharpener, only to the deep satisfaction that I got in communing with my father over the fixing of obsolete, uh, near-dead electronics. My son did watch... He watched my dad work a little bit. We communed across generations. Now he was demanding to play PlayStation baseball the whole time. But uh, (laughs) I like to think that some of that knowledge of magnets and wires seeped in there somewhere and will come back out. Um, You You can't put a price tag on magnets and wires, Ted. That's true. Why don't we do this again next week, Adam? What do you think? I'll be on vacation. Let's do it in a week and a half. Sounds good. All right. Well, have a great time amongst the glaciers and the buffalo and the the mountain yaks and whatnot. 
Thank you so much. Feels like really the last chance to see this before it all melts. <laughs> I mean, well, it's if true. it all melts, there will be plenty of parking available. That's the good news. Uh, you can find us on the internet at uh, takenote.space. That's a, that's a URL. It's a website. Lots of great thoughts and commentary and blog posts and that sort of thing. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash takenotepod. And we are on Patreon. You can support the show financially, should you so choose. There will be absolutely no uh, benefit whatsoever. We promise nothing, but we appreciate your support. Those who have supported, thank you so much. We will mail you. Uh, we will mail you something, a zine or an almanac or what have you, uh, in December before the holidays. But maybe uh, there's no special episodes. No, we will. Did you say maybe? No, we will. <laughs> I'm kidding. We will. <laughs> That's all we promise. Yes. Uh, no special hidden episodes. No videos. No. Uh, uh, well, maybe maybe Adam will make you make our Patreon followers a little travel recording from out on the glacier what maybe nope never know cut maybe (laughs) take care